0: I'm moved, I've a need, I've a need, I've a need, I've a need, I've a need.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Music Medics Podcast Episode 2. It's been a while. I'm Brian Hi. Kluger, and I'm with the host with the most, the man I go drinking with, the man I celebrate green things with, the man <laughs> I listen to all the music with, all the way from Lawrence, Kansas, back to Minnesota, Eric, the cap'n,
0: Bram. Hey, what's up, Brian? Klusel, Basil. What do I call you <laughs> these days? <laughs>
1: My DJ name uh, in Dallas is uh, DJ Kobayashi Maru.
0: <laughs> okay, so now I got like five names to remember. I got it. Kobayashi Maru sounds great, and yeah, we do go drinking together virtually anyway. That's, I'm true. That's some true. Water.
1: <laughs> That's true. Um, we we did our first inaugural show about uh, Christmas and the holidays, and Christmas music, and I've got to say, I. I have been listening to JD McPherson's Christmas album since then.
0: <laughs> oh, really? I mean, <laughs> that it, it shows that it's a great album because uh, that right there, that you can listen to it at any time of the year. We still have, we have snow again up here in Minnesota, which is, it's pretty, but we're totally sick of it. So I could maybe see, you know, breaking it out for a little bit more uh christmassy music right now just today until it melts tomorrow (laughs) but i love that you're listening to that that's great and his other albums are great so um
1: yeah he's good he's good uh i'm glad you brought that up but it's it's been a few weeks we life has happened uh snowstorms covid vaccines we've all happened but we're back we're gonna get on a more regular Schedule for you music fans with Music Medics. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Amazon, Google, iTunes, Spotify. Please like and subscribe, comment, email us, please. We're on the Multimedia Men Podcast Network. Today, we have a fantastic show. Today, it is March 16th. May, March, sorry, March <laughs> 16th. It's 316. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin Day. Can I get a hell yeah? Hell yeah. And so, and it's it's right, it's the day before St. Paddy's Day. So we're going to be talking about St. Paddy's Day music and songs later on in the episode. We're going to be talking about um, some of the, the best first albums from 90s music and 90s. Yeah, I- I had to
0: listen to every single debut rock album from the 90s, and that's why the show took so long to get together, because there's a lot of them. I had to listen to every last one. I'm I'm very thorough, and I'm excited to talk about that. What else do we have? And um, we're going to be talking about our favorite albums from 2020, um, but first,
1: I've got to ask you, Eric, um, Cap'n, did you have any New Year's resolutions in regards to music? And if so, have you kept with that yet?
0: I would say my first resolution is to go to some shows, and I have not kept that one because <laughs> <laughs> there still aren't any. Um, maybe there are some underground, but uh, not that I've been to. So I haven't kept that one. My other New Year's resolution was just to continue to listen to more albums people have talked about the death of the album but i think honestly enough starting this show it's made me think about complete albums a little bit more and what makes a great album and of course if you're listening to vinyl you listen to it all the way through that's a great way to listen to an album but if digital stuff we don't do it as much these days so that's kind of my resolution and i feel like i have been doing that to an extent um listening to full albums, at least some that I really like. Maybe I haven't delved into a billion of them, but yeah, those are my resolutions. And uh, so let's see, I don't really do resolutions too much because of this. Cause I don't stick to them. <laughs> so what, about, <laughs> what about you?
1: Uh, definitely shows, but again, I'm not going to any shows for a little while. Um, but I guess mine was to listen to more, Uh, poppy top 40 stuff and then go back and listen to bands that I would usually not enjoy and revisit them.
0: Oh, so you're a masochist.
1: Yes. And so far I've actually been enjoying it. My God, I have been on a limp biscuit kick. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And I like enjoying it, man. I'm just like rolling, rolling, rolling and did it all for the dookie. I don't know why I'm enjoying it as much as I am right now, but I'm going back and then I'm listening to top 40. and It's like, okay, this is catchy. Like where I wouldn't want to listen to this before my mind is kind of slowly getting to this point where like, all right, it's just background music. I'm enjoying it. It's got a good beat. I can dance along to it. And I don't know what went wrong. Captain Eric,
0: <laughs> what happened to me? You're, you're just stuck inside your brain a little too much. Maybe <laughs> I think that, <laughs> I think that, uh, nostalgia is probably part of that. Cause sometimes when I hear stuff that I heard when I was younger in the nineties, maybe I hated it in the nineties, but it's like, I hated it then, but it's still better than so much now. It was just, you know, m- there was so much alternative rock coming out in the nineties, for example. So maybe there was a band I hated. I wasn't really into garbage, for example, but if I listen to their stuff now, it's like, Oh yeah, I can vibe on this a little more than I could back then. And just, you know, uh, that familiarity, that nostalgia, that might, that might bring it back for you, but that's interesting. Um, I can't say I've ever been into Limp Bizkit, but one of the nineties rock albums I'm going to talk about today is uh, a big influence on theirs, I think.
1: For sure, for sure. So, you know, we, with that in mind, what makes a good album? Because we're going to talk about our favorite albums from 2020 in a second, but what makes a good album? Like, what are the ingredients that you can cook, marinate, and perfect to serve to the masses for a good album?
0: Sure. I think that that can be up to the listener, of course. So for me, I'd say creativity is number one. I mean, if it's super boring, I'm going to be bored. You know, we all hear, we're all inundated with music all the time. It's got to be everybody's favorite art form or just the masses' favorite art form is music. It's consumed at such a high rate and it's in every commercial and stuff. So you got to have some creativity to it and some variety, but you also have to have a sound figured out. There's got to be like some sense of continuity. It can't just be all over the place or it's really not going to be, you know, people won't think of it really as an album as much as a collection of singles. And then to me, one of the important things is that every last song is listenable, that you're not going to skip any. And that is I think really interesting to talk about in relation to our favorite 2020 albums. 2020 was a while ago at this point, but I mean, I, I continually listen to, I think probably because of us doing the show, partly again, I I keep listening to the stuff that I was researching for or researching for the show and really like, so I think that again, having, um, every song be listenable where you're not going to skip them. So if you're listening to a record, you're going to listen to it all the way through typically, but maybe if you're listening to it on your computer or on a CD, God forbid, you might skip a song. Maybe that doesn't make it such a good album. Maybe it's uh, it should just be a collection of singles, even if it's just one song that you don't want to listen to. What about you? What makes a good album to you or a great album? I should say a great album.
1: I mean, my first, my first little short answer would be Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet. Like, good God. What
0: makes a great album? <laughs> it has to be Bon Jovi.
1: <laughs> I mean, they never got any better than that. So... <laughs>
0: it's the only one ever, actually.
1: It is. But, I mean, the... What makes it good of the ingredients? I think you have to have killer tracks that can be listened to over and over. It has to pass the car test, the vehicle test, where you can drive, bump, listen, enjoy, roll the windows down, whatever, and uh, have like a consistent flow of music. It has to tell – it doesn't necessarily have to tell a story, but it has to have some sort of emotion in it, not necessarily to – Like to make you cry, but like to get that rock and roll or that hip hop feel that like gets you in your head and your your heart and in your in your crotch, you know. It's like yeah,
0: kind of takes you somewhere. Not not perhaps in a visual way, but in that that inner way, the the feeling of the beat and that emotion. I get what you're saying.
1: Yes, and hopefully something that's a little original, a little different than the rest. Um, Because I mean. It's kind of hard to find that these days, but uh, I think that's the ingredients for a great album. I think something that you can, like, you know, the knee slap, the toe tap, you know, something that's consistent in that, maybe with a little ballad here and there and something that means something, mm-hmm. but something that's good, something that's fun, because music music, is is an escape. It's It's an escape and a way of life that could teach you things, that can make you feel things make you look at something different. So not all great full albums, perfect albums are like that, but I think they uh they embody some of that material. So that's what I think.
0: Yeah, and uh kind of bouncing off of what you're saying that again, it can't be boring. Uh it does have to have a feel, but there's gotta be some, you know, good writing, some good musicianship in there, something that is gonna wow you And stand out a little bit because, yeah, there's a billion bands that these days that can make their music at home, which is great, but that sounds so much like another band. And then, you know, kind of what's the point just to make some music, to sell some records, to try and get famous? Or are we making a great work of art?
1: Right, right. Uh, So I, I think that's kind of the ingredients. Agree or disagree with us. I think we're on the right track.
0: Yeah, call in right now. You can, you can call <laughs> us at uh, uh, 411. And if, you, wanted, uh, if we select to... your answer, you win a metaphorical progressive scan DVD player and a free request.
1: And a free request, yes. I'm trying to remember the phone number to our old radio station because we used to say call in at this if... number.
0: I feel like it had a lot of sevens in it. That's all I remember. Right, right. Many sevens, like four seven seven seven. <laughs> <laughs> so, so call four seven seven seven. Leave us a message. Uh, that's BBC Talkback. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we'll, we'll this will lead us into going back to last year, twenty twenty, the year of COVID, the year we stayed at home, the year we were in quarantine. But music was released in oh, twenty twenty
0: good music great music uh we had lots of chances to listen to a lot of it too but i feel like having a kid and being stuck at home maybe i wasn't is out there listening to complete albums as much as i may otherwise have and that's again why this show is happening in march that i had to listen to every album from 2020 to do this show <laughs> i heard them all yeah no i you heard them all which is good right <laughs> yeah um and And back to what we were just talking about with great albums, I thought this would be a really interesting discussion because um we had sent each other some of our favorites of twenty twenty a little while ago, and my top three favorite albums or the top three what I think are the three best albums of twenty twenty were are not the albums that I find myself listening to all the time still
1: which is and... interesting because is it is it does that mean that you have to be in the mood to listen to it because you like it or just something that you like, oh, I really liked the idea of this album more than you actually liked it?
0: I think there's two main reasons, and one of them is one that I brought up a little bit ago when talking about great albums, and that is that you have to be able to listen to everything and not skip anything and so the two albums that i'm i'm talking i'm vaguely talking about it i'm keeping it a little secret a surprise i'm not intending to do this but it's happening anyway um the avalanches uh their album was we will always love you and gorillas song machine season one strange time deluxe edition it's like a whole paragraph it's almost (laughs) like fiona album fiona (laughs) apple album title um
1: which is awesome because I know you've been a Gorillas fan for an extremely long time.
0: In a Blur band before uh, fan before I was in I was in the band Blur before that. I'm really wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, a Blur fan before that. Gorillas definitely a big Damon Albarn fan, and they've changed over the years because what are they really? They're Damon Albarn and the animator Jamie uh, Hewlett, and they that's the band. So it's whoever, whoever Damon wants to work with. So why I don't think that those two albums, why they didn't make my cut, even though those are the albums I listen to all the time, that Gorillaz album and that Avalanche's album is because on the Avalanche's album, every song is super, super great. And then the final song is just like a series of beeps (laughs) that makes you really anxious. Like, just imagine sitting there and you're listening to a music, uh, an album, and you're vibing out and it's funky and it changes a lot and it's emotional. And then suddenly just the last song is just an anxiety producing series of beeps. I, I don't I don't really get it. I haven't read up on why it's in the album, but I skip it every time. And therefore, I said it didn't make my cut, even though individually the songs. I mean, I like every single one of them on this album. And same with Gorillas. Uh, that deluxe album, there are so many good songs in that if I were doing a list of my 10 favorite songs or the 10 best songs from 2020, I might put five Gorilla songs on it. I'd had them on there at one point and narrowed them down. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I narrowed it finally down to two out of like six. Um, Pink Phantom, which is with Elton John, and Pac-Man, which is with Schoolboy Q, uh, the rapper. And that kind of shows the other thing about that album. There's some there's some songs that I'll skip, but there's also um, there's so much variety on these both of these albums because I think every song on the Avalanche's album and on the Gorillas album has special guests on it. So it's almost like a compilation album, except that you have, you know, in Gorillas' case one musician and Avalanche's case two musicians that are on every song and it's just kind of the creativity that they wanted to work with they put something out there it's amazing but i don't know they didn't make my cut for top three albums
1: interesting interesting i would imagine I, i would have thought that they would have but what what are your top three albums
0: um i had bombay bicycle club everything else has gone wrong which has some a couple fantastic singles and definitely a vibe a great vibe all the way through uh, Sylvan Esso's Free Love.
1: Are you waiting? When I'm in my dancing shoes, can't wait to do it, can you? No! Oh, I'm set to set in the neon in the World, got for tonight.
0: Which has perhaps the best song of the year on it, in my opinion, which is called Ferris Wheel, and Tame Impala, always creative, and another Australian, like the Avalanches, with The Slow Rush, the name of the album, and... albums are all maybe a little bit safer but they definitely have that like a congruency that sound all the way through that we were talking about where it sounds like an album and every last song is extremely listenable it's so listenable (laughs) (laughs) i can't can't skip a song
1: (laughs) you can't you can't skip a song so what in like a couple sentences why did with, when you say like they're the, the great albums that you can listen to all the way through, what particular part stuck out to you in, this, in these albums?
0: Um, well, Bombay Bicycle Club, uh, they're, I mean, their writing is always really clever. I would say that's the case in all three of these albums. I mean, the artists are really great lyricists. Um, you know, there's a song, one of my favorite songs by Bombay Bicycle Club eat sleep wake nothing but you yeah just the just the title kind of (laughs) kind of tells you that creativity in the writing that you know whatever they're doing their whole day it's nothing but you but at the same time it's like a really interesting soaring song it goes up and down and you can kind of get into that emotion I mean you can imagine I'm sure at some point in everybody's life there is that person whether it's uh somewhat somebody you love unrequited love or a child or you know somebody that you're thinking about all the time um you know that's just one example but a really great song uh for sylvan esso again uh, there's this vibe that's created it's kind of it's very synth pop it's very um upbeat a lot of the time, but then it also mellows down. It kind of takes you in those peaks and valleys like a good movie. There's a story being told throughout it. And uh that song that I mentioned, Ferris Wheel, the writings I think it's incredible. She's writing it in the perspective of like a 15-year-old girl who's just kind of figuring out that, you know, she likes boys, that she can attract them, and she does such a good job. And that's something that I think is ubiquitous in in music is trying to capture that like feeling of when you're young, and that's done really well on, on that Sylvanesso album. And then Tame Impala is just such interesting sounds all over the place. I mean, if you've ever listened to any Tame Impala, that's typical, and you can guarantee that um, Kevin Parker is going to put out an amazing album that's another band that is really just one guy and then tours with a bunch of other musicians. And there's also been a bunch of really good music videos that came out this past year, despite you know COVID and all that stuff, including from every band I've mentioned.
1: That's, that's cool. I'm glad music videos are still being made. I love watching music videos. Yeah. Actually, I think when you and I were at school, we would come home from the bars and watch music videos. And I'll still (laughs) never forget the time we came home, we turned on the music video channel and we heard Eddie Money's uh, Take Me Home at Night, (laughs) followed by, um, was it In the Navy by The Village
0: People? What what channel was that? I don't remember,
1: (laughs) but it was just music videos. We're like, what is happening right now?
0: <laughs> Take me home tonight was my like song that I would get amped to go out to the bars. <laughs> Listen to that before going out to the bars. It was just I don't know <laughs> the it's energy good. really more than the lyrics. It's just got me ready to have some fun.
1: That's <laughs> true. That's true. Um... So
0: did you like 2020 at all? Were there any redeeming musical moments for you?
1: There was, there was actually, I have a top three as well. I'll go from three to one. Um, Number three was Run the Jewels 4. TJ4, um, this pretty badass, you know, new kind of modern protest hip hop album. Um, I love this band uh, featuring songs like Ooh La La Ah Wee Wee, which was featured in a ton of TV shows, movies, and commercials throughout the year after this came out. Uh, rtj featuring greg nice and dj Premier, also songs like goonies versus et crazy and just featuring pharrell williams uh this this album is pretty damn good um and i think again like every song you know with uh lp and killer mike man just is just next level and just it's got good beats it's fun it's funny it's important it's poignant and
0: I just really liked it did you get a chance to listen to this at all I've listened to a bunch of it I haven't listened to the album all the way through and thankfully it's uh it's yours to talk about and I don't have to talk
1: right. <laughs> to no, talk no, about was...
0: everything all the way through I but um one thing that I gotta say about them is yeah every every single track the beat is creative and banging like really fun um yeah. it's can't good really it's say good. anything anything but positive things about them um sometimes you know any rap album is gonna be like there's gonna be things that turn people off who aren't big rap fans you know whether it be the lyrics <laughs> like sometimes they're a little hard for people which i think is the case on you know any album it's maybe less accessible for that reason but that's not taking away anything from it yeah
1: for sure um so number two would be interestingly bob dylan's rough and rowdy ways
0: another day they don't end have- Another ship going out. Another day of anger. Bitterness and doubt. I know how it
1: happened. Uh this is the first album he's released since 2012. So kinda of like eight years since he had released uh uh an album with original songs on it. Um so this one's called Rough and Rowdy Ways, and it's uh it's pretty badass. It's uh it's I, I would say it's one of his better albums since, man, maybe the 70s, I would say. But I wow. mean, songs like False Prophet and Black Rider and um, what's it called? Uh, Murder Most Foul. There is just. Dylan, sorry,
0: the, the writing all the way through any Bob Dylan album is going to be fantastic. Every song's poetry, which is wonderful.
1: Yes, yes it
0: is. And
1: it's this is just him singing and talking about kind of like the crazy world, like like mythical things, magic and very strange beings. Like it almost brought me back to um the uh the rolling thunder review days uh where he kind of like played a version of himself he did a good impression of himself basically with his friends on a northeastern tour of the u.s and this kind of brings me back to that kind of vibe uh with this but yeah this this album is really cool and if you get it on vinyl um there's two actual records and uh so four sides completely are uh,
0: complete so about so are, there, are there a lot of special editions of that album he's an older artist but I've noticed there's so many like special edition vinyl that comes out and that that gorillas album I mentioned for example there's like the deluxe vinyl album I think was like 80 bucks and has like you know a booklet and all this great art and that's one of one of the reasons that you buy vinyl is the great art. And then they had, you know, like a $250 (laughs) (laughs) edition with like anything imaginable. Like they went off the chain on marketing this year. And maybe part of that is because they're just not touring and they have to make their money doing that. So were there special editions of, uh, of the Bob Dylan albums, you know,
1: not that I know of, of this particular one. I know the uh, vinyl album, uh, had a kind of a, a color tinted version of it. And then there was the CD version of it. So no- nothing kind of like, um, nothing like Neil Young or anything like that, where he charges a ton of money for it. It was just kind of a regular deal, but sure. I will say like Charlie Sexton's on guitar here. And then Fiona Apple plays piano on a song or two here as well. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, this is a great album. A great, great album. R- rough and rowdy ways. It proves kind of like Bob Dylan is still in it, despite, you know, I mean, he is, God, how old is he? He's 79 years old. And
0: he just 179, actually. 179. <laughs> and he just hasn't
1: lost anything when relating to this album. And it's good. It's, it's not, because I've seen, I saw him in concert three times. And the last time I saw him, you know, it was real hard to kind of understand him. He almost sounded, he was like a, a grosser version of Tom Waits. Mm -hmm. He just like spoke things, but his band was amazing. I mean, it was a good show just because it's Bob, but this is, this is different. This is, uh, he sounds great here. So Mm -hmm. definitely recommend that.
0: And then Dylan, uh, you know, one of those artists that had such, has such an interesting voice and always had, and it's not your typical, um angelic voice so some a voice that i think can age well as opposed to some musicians who've been doing it forever are still doing it and uh, when their voice fades it it can it can really hurt when you see them live
1: right i agree and then my number one my number one album which i was looking forward to since it was announced uh this one came out in november of 2020 so late in the year but it's acdc's 17th studio album uh called power up and holy shit it's good Despite you know, because it's not the original lineup, of course you know there were some uh, there were some uh, deaths and whatnot, but but uh, Brian Johnson's still in there and Angus Young is still in there, and this album is so damn good. Talking about a perfect album from start to finish, every song's amazing. But then when you take any AC/DC album, they all sound the same. They're all about fucking fighting boners. <laughs> it's it's basically what they sing about. This is no different.
0: Fighting boners?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I mean, their first single off this is called Shot in the Dark. And I highly recommend you watch the video, the music video to this because it's so great. But it just it's like these amazing, one of the best rock and roll, hard rock groups of all time, still like at 70 or 80 years old kicking it loud and having a good time and they have not lost a beat. They're still hardcore. They're still having fun. Brian Johnson is still up there on stage, you know, singing and smiling and just got that voice. And Angus is still doing the duck walk. Like he is still doing that constantly in
0: his uniform. You can hear it in his. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can. During the album, you can hear that duck walk all the way through.
1: (laughs) Correct, correct. So this entire album is amazing. And it's exactly what you want in a ACDC album. And then I think they added a little element, as they've gotten older, specifically in this album, because it's been several years since they put out an album. Uh, they added a little bluesy stuff to it. You know, kind of like you see a lot of old dudes playing blues stuff at bars. They Mm -hmm. added a little blues you know, riff to a couple of their songs, but still kept it hard rock. And it's fantastic. ACDC power up. Please, 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 please find this, seek it out, listen it to your ear holes.
0: You'll love it. Well, that was great. A great little way to illustrate what we think makes a great album in the ones that we just talked about. And I think there's a lot of variety there, which is also really interesting. And on some of the albums that we talked about, there's uh, extreme amounts of variety. And then some had that, um, I think the ones that we thought were the best had that that more cohesive sound all the way through. Right.
1: I mean, you just, you nailed it, man. It's like, I went from modern protest hip-hop to old-school country folk back to just sexual Australian heavy rock
0: a lot of Australia <laughs> Australia was big in 2020 I think especially in my household because we watched a lot of the uh children's television show Bluey which is fantastic <laughs> by the way yes I read a review that said it was better this than the Sopranos and I think I agree you think so <laughs> I mean no, but it's, it's <laughs> close. It's definitely close. Oh my goodness!
1: So, <laughs> that kind of brings us to a, kind of like our main event of today um, on Music the Medics. Main event. The main, the main feature, presentation, Music Medics episode two. The what and what's makes a perfect album? What makes a great album? We want to talk about the best albums from the 90s and not just the best albums from the 90s the best debut albums of the 1990s meaning whatever band you like their first album and it has to be mm-hmm. it had to it came out into the 90s so you know a lot of bands that we like came out in the 90s but their best albums or maybe their best songs weren't on their first album so it was kind of
0: like a we had to like dive deeper into this right right and I- That's really rare to have a great first album. I mean, if, if you go back and you think about most bands, it takes them some time to figure it all out, to maybe figure out their sound, to really get that instrumentation together, and sometimes what ends up making a great first bat uh first album is that a band was together so long before they actually ended up recording something or making it into a full studio album maybe they played together for eight years and then finally were able to put out an album something that doesn't really happen anymore because if that were happening now people would just probably record their own album somehow but in the 90s you had to you definitely had to have a record label and i think we we decided to restrict this mainly to 90s rock albums am i right yes yes strictly 90s
1: because ha- otherwise be.
0: there's a just tons <laughs> i mean we every 90s album that would be if we got into r&b and hip hop and stuff that would uh, we'll do that someday but we had to r- restrict ourselves just to the rock albums and yeah it's tough to have a great great first album and maybe some of the ones that we'll talk about aren't the band's best albums, but in some cases, I think they are. Which is, uh, is that embarrassing? <laughs> this is your first album? You peak your the, first album? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: that would be like it's one and done. I mean, that would that would technically you be a one-hit
0: wonder for the most part. But <laughs> one I album th- hit, one-hit album wonder. Yeah.
1: However, all these these albums that we're gonna list out, you know, not all we're not gonna do all twenty, but th- all of these. Bands have had insane careers. Number one hits on the charts throughout the years, but mm-hmm. we're talking about their first, the first ones, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you want, I'll go first. I'll start it out. I'll start us out. I'll start us out, uh, you know, overseas. We Oasis, <laughs> the the the, Gallaghers, the, 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 the Gallaghers, um, you know, Oasis, their first album called definitely maybe, on Creation Records August 29th of 1994 and kind of uh, brought in British pop music, British rock music, kind of back to to its former glory and it gave the world oasis and with songs like Rock and Roll Star, Live Forever, Supersonic, Cigarettes and Alcohol and Slide Away um, and Up in the Sky. I mean this paved the way I mean the reaction and the reception to this album I mean I remembered I was I mean it was I was like bar mitzvah age and I was like 13 and I just remember yeah I'm still I still am (laughs) and I just remember it's like who is this band like people were comparing them to like you know the great British rock bands you know who were who remain nameless and this is kind of like a a a step in the right direction to bring this rock music back. And it was, it's just really good. I mean, yes, Oasis put out several more albums. They had uh, bigger songs, but this really paved the way and they're still amazing songs. And I think
0: this album is like great from
1: start to finish is specifically for a first debut album.
0: And they definitely had found their sound i i mean it's not really changed over the years too much they figured it out early on and that's one of the reasons that it is so good and i was a big oasis fan and uh in, in general still am a big brit rock and brit culture and football i have to say football because british football soccer big into that and um blur as we mentioned a little bit ago Almost made my list. Their first album, Leisure, is very good. Has some of my favorite songs of theirs, but there's a few that are just kind of drab. There, <laughs> it's that shoegazer rock. Blur was definitely shoegazer. But there's some where you're gazing a little, a little too hard, you might fall asleep. So that did not make my cut. It was one of my honorable mentions, Blur's Leisure. But I think the first one that I want to mention is Weezer's album Weezer and they've had many albums called Weezer. <laughs> they're <just laughs> all called Weezer at this point. They're all self-titled, they're just a color. They figured that out accidentally early on and uh and stuck with it. we had both talked about this. I think I asked what comes to mind as a great 90s debut rock album to you. Just like what instantly comes, it comes to mind. And this is one of the ones you mentioned.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's interesting. So I, I like that you mentioned Weezer. It's just, I mean, cause they're still rocking out.
0: <laughs> they are. And <laughs> there was, there was that great SNL sketch about about Weezer do you remember that one? Oh, good god which one was that it's only from a couple of years ago it was it was like a Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner and they just started talking about about Weezer and it was it was really funny because as a big fan of Weezer in the 90s and then they kind of I don't know they kind of changed in order to stay popular and maybe went downhill a little bit, but then they'd come back with these like great songs or even some really good albums and rivers is rivers. Cuomo's doing all sorts of things. He's actually on that avalanches album from last year too. Um, But that first album, the blue album, I think it's probably still their second best album. And it's just perfect all the way through a nice short little album. One of Weezer's big things, like half hour albums, cut out all the fat, make these perfect little pop songs, but add some creativity into it. In fact, there's, you know, Only in Dreams, a wonderful, wonderful song, which is kind of meandering and slow for a while, eventually rocks out. That's an eight minute long song. Um, I think that's one of the highlights on the album. And In the Garage was always one of my favorites. Do Do you have a favorite? song off that album something that sticks out um let's see here i am i mean oh, man. you know there was so, my name is jonas there's buddy holly there's the sweater song i would say say it ain't so yeah that's i mean that's spectacular no one else is a funny one because it's like really <laughs> misogynistic <laughs> and rude but also probably how uh, I mean, I think it's tongue in cheek. I think they're making fun of people who would not want their lady to put on makeup for anyone else. Hopefully, hopefully they weren't serious with that one. I never took it seriously.
1: <laughs> no, I, I just it's it's a yeah, it's a fun song. It's and I think it's. Uh, do you think it's one of their more catchier songs in their early career?
0: Uh, I mean, that whole. I mean, what isn't catchy when it comes to <laughs> we sort of Like that's that's their thing. Catchy little pop rock songs that are they're clever they're sort of quirky people can sing along maybe they don't even know what they're saying half the time they're saying the words and they're like what does that even mean <laughs> <laughs> why am i oh like who's goodness. who's ace freely and peter chris i mean obviously we know who where they're from but you know you mentioned uh they're they were both cool yet also totally nerdy there's mentions of surfing and also mentions of dungeons and dragons so all over the place but a wonderful little pop album i think their next album was just a little bit better but i mean they started off big yeah you could listen to the blue album straight through a thousand times and never get sick of it well don't do it a thousand in a row though right um and i'll mention
1: another one which you know this might be a cop out this might be nonetheless but i've got to mention it anyway because i think it is like a most excellent album debuted in the 90s uh again this could be a cop out since this guy only released one album um and then he died uh but jeff buckley jeff buckley gave us grace the album october i mean august 23rd nineteen ninety four. And I've seen your flag on the marble arch And love is not a victory march It's a cold and it's a broken Hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, Same year as Oasis And, you know, this... This album went, you know, seven times platinum. And initially, when it was released, it didn't get a lot of airplay. But I think quickly after, everybody started liking this. It went on just almost everybody's top of the charts, greatest albums of all time type stuff. And, you know, opening with the song Mojo Pen is just so great. But then most people, I mean, with, you know, this is a very spiritual album. It's it has meaning, but it's a lot of fun. You know, with a song called Corpus Christi Carol, Eternal Life, Dream Brother, Lilac Wine. I mean, these, The Last Goodbye, most of these songs were written by Buckley himself, but the one that you know, is most notable off this album, or not most notable, but he's remembered most for, is a cover of Leonard Cohen's song, Hallelujah. And I mean, the only person that I know that has ever used Leonard Cohen's version of Hallelujah was Zack Snyder in the movie The Watchmen. But everybody else has kind of used uh, Jeff Buckley's version. And that's the one that oh, yeah. usually gets the most play in like every movie, every commercial, every television show. But It's a
0: wonderful rendition. Yeah, it was one of my favorite moments episodes in the West Wing Used yes that song as well and it is a really good album and i think that buckley also had a lot of influence on i mean tons of artists but the the vocal styling i feel like had a lot of influence on pop punk i could be wrong but i think a lot of pop punk artists sort of mimic that style whether or not they know where that that's where it came from
1: yeah i i believe so too uh i believe that completely um and it is, you know, some, some many years after his release of this, it and it went on the tar- charts again. Like it just proves, mm. you know, that this album is still uh, revered and talked about. Just because, I mean, it is a beautiful album. You know, this is not this is not a song you want to put on or an album you want to put on to to, to rage to, you know, you don't want to rage and like break stuff to this album. Really. You want to sit down and just like have like a true, like saving your soul type of experience for an hour. That's what I think. And I, and I mean, if this, if he would have lived, I mean, I can't imagine how big of an influence and how big of a star he would have been today. Like if if he put out this album, this was his first album. I just, I just can't imagine.
0: Yeah. I I mean, unless he just went downhill from there, but probably not (laughs) pretty spectacular right off the bat. And if you want to talk about an album that you can rage to, I didn't really plan to talk about this next, but it, it fits so perfectly is Rage Against the Machines, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, now, my God. Well, when okay I- – <sighs>
1: We have to, we have to uh, um, kind of have a little moment of silence
0: because they were supposed to tour last year. <laughs> oh, I Again. thought you were going to say a moment of silence for Jeff Buckley. Let's have two quick moments of silence.
1: Yeah, one for Jeff Buckley and Rage was supposed to tour last year and they didn't because of COVID. So hopefully here's to them touring very soon because I would definitely go to that.
0: That would be great news. Did you see them in the 90s?
1: I did not i never saw them live.
0: I wasn't I have to say that I was not big super big on hard rock or I mean this is this is really an album that is it's kind of the first instance of like rap metal as far as I know. Yeah. It, and it's it combines scary too. metal it and scary. rap. Yeah, and it's hard. It really rocks out. They definitely figured out their sound right away. Um you have songs that are really funky at times which is interesting. You of course have really great guitar riffs all over it. I'm thinking especially um I think Fistful of Steel uh if I, you know Bullet in the Head's pretty funky and there's also of course that political vibe to it that everybody knows where they're anti-war and anti-military-style police that they're still going on to this day. They were kind of one of the only rock bands that was at all popular that had such political commentary in their music back then and i think that's probably become a lot more common and maybe just in the past year or two but it it really rocked out and i got to say this exercise of going back and listening to 90s rock albums mostly it kind of uh, it made me feel good about myself in the 90s because i still agreed with myself on most of the stuff that I really liked back then Um, but I was not into metal not into hard rock that much at all in the 90s so I didn't really listen to Rage Against the Machine that much but did certainly respect them and their message and their instrumentation and listening to it again now I mean holy cow they figured it out from the first album and never really let up either another band that keeps rocking all the way through i'm sorry that you missed that concert last year no also like because i think the closest
1: they were playing was like near el paso or something like that but i was just like i'm
0: fucking going to this texas (laughs) is tiny so i'm sure yeah texas is very tiny
1: i mean it only takes like what nine hours to get to el paso and you're in the same state (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah man like bomb track bullet in the head dude this i mean this definitely led them to you know something like guerrilla radio and stuff like that
0: yeah like, and i mean killing killing in the name is definitely one of their most popular and best songs of course. yes and that's right on the first album that's not to take away from anything else but that was something that really resonated and still resonates with tons of people and probably some people ironically that they don't know <laughs> it's weird they that... Sing that song and don't realize that they're uh <laughs> that it might be the opposite political side of the spectrum i think that can happen with rage
1: yeah because bomb track you know that's track one side one of this album and it's great but then you come in with track two and even make it better in (laughs) killing in the name like it's crazy to me yeah (laughs) that's good so um my next one might be my last one but i have to mention uh this this album and this band has been all over the place. They've had some excellent albums. The lead singer has uh been involved in pro wrestling for a number of years as well. But um I'm going to have to say releasing May in 1991 from Caroline Records, The Smashing Pumpkins, their mm. first album called Gish. Mm. Gish uh Jesus Christ.
0: um <laughs> it's just called gish not not Gish, not gish gish jesus christ just to no, clear that up just gish
1: <laughs> i like to say gish gish, um, gish
0: jesus christ
1: this was recorded kind of near you man this was recorded in madison wisconsin um yeah. on a very low budget of 20 grand and i mean you start out with billy corgan um and james yeehaw is that how you pronounce his name yeah uh they wrote everything in this album but you start out with i am one go to to siva but then you come in with number three with a song called rhinoceros and rhinoceros is the song that would define this band for the rest of their lives it went back and forth from like that hard rock to kind of a softer melodic tone, mm-hmm. like you would kind of see in, you know, their hit song, um, Despite All My Rage, I'm Still yeah. Just a Rat in a the, you Epic know, bullet songs. with
0: songs that build and again come to climaxes and then yeah. low points, they mellow out. They're cinematic almost if you want to look at it that way. Yeah.
1: That bullet with butterfly wings, you know, not, arguably one of their most famous songs but this song rhinoceros was the defining step in creating that sound like it Mm. goes to those territories and those elements and it's so goddamn good and the whole album becomes like that and you can tell like they're having a great time doing this because they don't have a lot of money they're they're producing they're mixing they're writing their own stuff in this small ass studio and You can tell like the works there, the energy, the love of it all before they became really, really big. And then, I mean, this album was number one on the college music journal chart. And if Eric the Cap'n and I were in college in 1990, in 1991, we would have been playing this. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. We probably still did from time to time. And I remember it being very popular among you know my friends in high school my uh, my brother's friends i remember there was a talent show a school talent show for high school my brother was like the mc some of his friends were in a band and they covered smashing pumpkins and back then now everybody's like a band a musician if there's a high school talent show that's all it is right and this back then this was the only band like the only plugged in band that anyone had probably ever seen at hopkins high school and uh they kind of shredded except i believe like the bass wasn't working (laughs) (laughs) kind of tragic for a song that's uh for a band that is pretty bass heavy i'd say but but i I remember i mean this came out in 1991 i was 10
1: years old so Mm. i oh god was i doing at 10 i might have was I listening to this? I might have not listened to this until later on, because uh, I, was... I had
0: friends that were big fans, and I was again. It was maybe a little bit too hard for me at the time. I liked stuff a little bit lighter, so um, or and lighter and weird, and it was definitely weird. So I was drawn to that, but I wasn't like a huge Smashing Pumpkins fan, and I think became more of one over the years. In fact,
1: and it's it's they they have had an extreme. Like, their album, even their artwork for their albums is insanely good. And they put out double albums before. Like, they're good. And Billy Corgan is, like, genius. Because, like, that dude is excellent music, excellent in songwriting, front man. Mm-hmm. And then he loves pro wrestling and got he's been involved in pro wrestling forever. So, it's really weird. Really I didn't weird. Even know that. Funny. Yeah. So, he, like, kind of ran TNA for a long time uh, mm-hmm. and Total Impact as well. So... He He's definitely been in the mix for sure. Nice. Uh, yeah, Let, so... Let's
0: run through just a couple more of the ones that we had on here. Because, uh, I mean, I definitely want to talk about Soul Coughing. That was, yes. I mean, one of my favorite bands of all time. Their original album, uh, first album, Ruby Vroom. It is so, so strange. And... at the age at the age I was in 1994 you know 12 years old strange was right up my alley but it's really fun the lyrics are like poetic um delivered in a very you know <sighs> slam poetry style you have gr- a great upright bass sound all the way through it's it's really all over the place and that kind of is their sound And one of their, you know, their big features is the really strange keyboard sounds that might be like a door swinging open and creaking, but they're very, very good at setting that mood.
1: It it is like soul coughing. I mean, they have, I think three albums
0: so far. Yes. Three, but they're they're very well done. They will not be recording anymore as far as I understand. They, uh, had a very big falling out, but... True. I mean, you can never say never, but, like, Ruby Vroom, <laughs> like, them
1: using elements of, like, Toots and the Maedals, oh and Wolf, and Colonious
0: Monk, Bobby McFerrin, is... Well, I think, like, the Andrews sisters, Toots and the Maedals, yeah, I mean, they're on the... I mean, that's on the same song. <laughs> and and Wolf. I think that's all on one song. Like, that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> extremely ha- sample heavy but they they twist it all around so much and and throw in a lot of those like atmospheric sounds.
1: Do you think like this is like a perfect example of like what a rock band can be
0: when they use elements of jazz and blues? I think there is no band that exemplifies that better than Soul Coughing and they kind of got a little more poppy uh, in their following two albums, I think this is probably their best one, but is maybe not the most accessible because it is so weird. Like, you know, that's why it wasn't gonna be ever you weren't gonna have any hits on on like pop radio or like alternative rock radio unless it was a station that wasn't afraid to try things. Yeah. Um yeah. What's I another think, one you got? I think uh I have two that are kind of in the same vein not completely sublimes 40 ounces to freedom you know it's uh heavy elements of reggae of course but i would mostly describe it as a pop rock or not pop rocks, punk rock album which of course had tons of influence on later albums and still to this day and i mean this album is probably again their second best but is really fun all the way through and speaking of toots and the maytals i mean they covered 5446 that's my number yeah um, and they they're known for doing covers they did tons of um reggae covers actually throughout their career um but this one i think is mostly written by them And there's even the crazy thing is this is one of those albums that I think is a great album. And maybe you'd skip a song and maybe that would make it not so great of an album because the last song on it is is like a thank you song. Right. It's just called thanks. And they just basically play music while they're thanking like 100 people just talking. And honestly, (laughs) it's totally listenable. It's amazing. Like, how is that good? They're the only band that I think has ever done that.
1: (laughs) That's so weird because, yes, they have that song at the very end but interestingly enough boys to men too um they track one side one is a song called thank you and it's where they're thanking people (laughs) (laughs) which they start out the album by thanking them which is kind of like the opposite of this
0: (laughs) (laughs) i also had kind of um uh, related but not not punky at all was no doubts first album no doubt they had really figured out their sound early. It was, uh, I mean, it was ska. It was definitely ska. And it was definitely like more commercial, not as, it was not grungy at all. It was definitely like poppy, vibrant, which is definitely part of the 90s as well. Um, I felt a little bad that I feel like that's the only band that features a woman musician in it. I had some others that were really close calls, like the Breeders and Liz Fair and Mazzy Star and Bjork but in the cardigans like a bunch of female artists that were just like in my second tier Gwen Stefani of course the lead singer of No Doubt and I think this was a really great album though it doesn't really sound like the rest of our their stuff I think this one has a more cohesive like ska fun funny vibe to it
1: right 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 it's uh it really is it's you know, everybody knows, no doubt, from their future albums. They, I mean, they became. Yeah, this one wasn't holistically <laughs> mainstream.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, TRL Total Request Live, MTV Music Awards. That was that's no doubt. They're the face of that Definitely. for those certain times, but not this album. And this album's good. Like it's again, I think they changed their sound, like you know, so many bands did after their first album. But that, I mean. I would, I would probably, I mean, I enjoy listening to their hits, their big hits, you know, but mm-hmm. this album is just like, it just feels like more grounded. It feels.
0: As an album, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's an album as opposed to, I don't know. They kind of went all over the place. As you said, their hits are great, but there wasn't that like cohesive sound. Right. And back then they really had that and their videos are, I mean, they're goofy, trapped in a box, which uh, I think they like made themselves their they didn't have a lot of money at all at the time, which is kind of crazy to think about. So that was this was like really under the radar until probably most of most people heard about the band when it when Tragic Kingdom came out. Maybe yeah. went back to their original one.
1: Right, right. No, I, I like no doubt. I like Winston. I like all those, all those also guys. On, and
0: girls. Sorry. Also no, on the um poppy side, Ben Folds Five, another <laughs> self-titled first album. I saw them. A number of times I've seen Ben Folds live too, and boy, did they figure it out right away. I mean, the musicianship's incredible. Ben Folds can play like a billion instruments. He's am- amazing on the piano and knows, they know how to rock and there was no, guitar. no if you, guitar. There's a bass and a drums and a piano. If you could pick one person to see live right now,
1: would it be Ben Folds or Ben Queller?
0: <laughs> the Bens. i don't, those are my only two choices i guess that makes it easier than like could it be anybody i guess uh i mean ben folds just okay. because he can do anything i saw him uh, perform with the minneapolis or the minnesota orchestra and it was fantastic because uh, he can make some really really beautiful music lyrics are clever every single time And this one, because, you know, they were younger, it kind of has that younger vibe to it, which I think makes it perhaps a little more fun than their following albums, which were also really, really good.
1: Right, right. I just remember you being big fans of the Bens.
0: Yeah, I have (laughs) a... (laughs) Definitely. I loved Ben Queller. He was uh, underage and hammered when I saw him live at the Bottleneck in Lawrence. (laughs) Lawrence Was that the...
1: Was that the night you dressed in like the cowboy gear?
0: I mean, that could have been any night, Brian. It could have
1: been. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Especially if
0: I was around you. That's true. That's true. I uh, think I might still have a cowboy hat that you gave me. Oh, good, good, Maybe. good. I have a couple. I, I hope so. so. I, I don't know. Um Ye-
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and the other two I just will mention real quickly, um Foo Fighters self self-titled Foo Fighters.
0: Yeah, we both had that on our list, so we better talk about it.
1: Yeah, so, you know, the Foo Fighters. I mean, yes, you want to mention Nirvana, but was their first their real first no, album yeah, that were, great? No,
0: really? Well, and I think they were 8 I mean they're 80s technically. Oh yeah, they're technically 80s. probably would have been like 88 or something. This one came out in 95 Yeah, ni-
1: 1995. So, I mean, this is, you know, Dave Grohl went
0: over. And... It's only Dave Grohl, too. I think I think I don't know if anyone else plays on this album. Um is... he did all he did all the writing and all the musicianship as far as I know, which is awesome i mean obviously everyone knew he was a great drummer and then especially in the 90s to do this all yourself like again things are just a little bit easier now a lot yeah
1: i I, yeah dave did he sang he did guitars bass and drums and i think just maybe a couple of other people kind of maybe added an additional guitar in post and then maybe a background vocal once Mm -hmm. other than that it's dave Grohl on right. Dave Grohl, singing Dave Grohl on a Dave Grohl album.
0: And he didn't really want people to find out it was him at first. So the Foo Fighters name, as far as I recall, was just sort of like made up to be kind of like, um, uh, what do you call it when you're uh well, like a project name, you know, that maybe wasn't going to be the name of the band because it was just him. And he right. well, would have you... gone by the Dave Grohl band, but instead he called himself Foo Fighters and released a really awesome album. <laughs> like, a
1: first album, yeah.
0: And holy like you... cow
1: when you come off a band like Nirvana and it ended tragically and horribly, Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be seen like, I mean, Dave's going to do Dave, like, and he's like one of the coolest human beings, best human beings on the planet earth. And he, you know, starting this first album self-titled called this is a call. And then I'll stick around big me. And then all the way for all the cows weenie beanie it's just, man, he knew what he wanted to do. And then Foo Fighters are still like kicking it. I mean, they were on Saturday Night Live yeah. playing new shit this past
0: season. I remember it, it was, and it was pretty good. That kind of bluesy song. Shame. I remember that one. Uh, but this album, I mean, I think this is honestly by far their best album. I know I, I kind of fell. I was in love with this album and I, they Their sound changed quite a bit. This is like probably about the hardest rocking thing that I was into in the nineties with this <laughs> album right here. And I listened to it a billion times. I think maybe like F- uh, floaty is a little bit lighter. Probably one of my favorite songs for all the cows. I mean, as a teenager, I loved cows too. They're like my favorite animal. So that was like one of my favorite songs of that entire decade. Um, But it rocks almost all the way through, except of course, the um the mento spoof music video (laughs) and very light poppy song big me which is an amazing track but
1: but, i mean i like big me it's just like i think yeah it's it's something that
0: you he must
1: have just done to have fun with it you know i think so i think it was
0: (laughs) so around and i don't know it's crazy that this was a first a debut album, and that it was i mean it kind of was obviously he had done other stuff before, but no one most people had no idea that he was he could sing he could play guitar. He could do any of that. They just thought he was an but, amazing drummer, and he is on this album.
1: Is, yeah, <laughs> he is. But that that song, "Big Me," was actually nominated for uh, for five MT Video Music Awards.
0: Oh, it was great. Futos. <laughs> yeah, it, futos. Mentos, it was a fu-
1: Mentosos. Futos. 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 I mean, it was, and this and this song was nominated. I mean, this album was nominated uh, for Grammys. So for mm-hmm. like best album of the year. So that I mean, it's pretty badass. So yeah. Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl still kicking, still amazing, still pleasant, nice. He's he plays Satan in Tenacious D, Pick of Destiny, which is fantastic. (laughs) Um, Just all sorts of goodness. But Mm -hmm. uh, since we ended on one of our um, one that we both had, shall we move on to our last segment, which has to deal with the amazing the impending holiday the impending holiday the one where we like to drink green beer the one where we like to sing all the songs um for saint patty's day uh let's do that let's move on to that and
0: let's talk about let's talk about it quick do you have any favorite like saint patrick's day related tracks i mean uh, we're probably not gonna go you know traditional irish folk music i hate to break it to our uh our tens of fans
1: <laughs> our tens of fans yes so just our one person who listens no i actually have a few that i really like so All right. if i had it so if i'm going like a traditional route but not like traditional slow Irish songs these are like drinking songs that you were going to be in a pub with mm-hmm. clanging your beers having mm-hmm. a great time one's mm-hmm. called Bog down in the valley oh egg. Which you know, oh oh, laughing bug, bug down in the valley, oh. And it's kind of like a fun song where you have to like sing a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and to get to that chorus and it just keeps on adding on and then Take Her Up to Monto is a really fun song but
0: Well if you got a wing Oh, take her up to ring Oh, wear the waxy single All the day When you pat your fill porter And you can't go any further Give your mind the order Back to the K But push go up to Monto Monto, Monto Push go up to Monto Till you
1: Other than that, um, Dennis Leary, the actor, the comedian, had a comedy album called No Cure for Cancer, and on that song, he fully produced and had a a funny-ass Irish drinking song just called Traditional Irish Song, and it's... (laughs) It's fast paced. It's kind of got a medieval sound to it, but it's like we sing and we puke and then we drink again, you know, something like that. But it's really funny. They come over
0: here and they chop off our legs. They cut off our hands and put nails in our eyes. Oh, is dead and oh, Hanrahan's gone. We drink and we die and continue to drink.
1: And then my, probably my favorite one, uh, I used to love, love a band out of New Orleans called Cowboy Mouth.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. I'm, I'm well aware. Well aware.
1: I think everybody <laughs> was well aware that how much I loved Cowboy Mouth. They actually had a song called Irish Boy that was just fucking kicks man because the lead singer is the drummer but the lead singer didn't sing this song it was their um their guitarist and it's like what's an irish boy from a good family doing in the gutter and it's just like and you hear like the beers clanking in the background it's like super fucking fun <laughs>
0: A week ago today we were celebrating a month and a half too late saint patty's day well i bought him around and he bought me around in a bunch of bought us another what's, what's an
1: irish yeah, boy from a good family doing in the um and the only other one i'll mention which is not maybe may an irish song but it's definitely a drinking song is an alabama song you know uh mm-hmm. by the oh, Dolphers, yeah. you know whiskey
0: yeah so, that's true though, that would be a fitting song i think definitely
1: yeah so those would be mine but yeah cowboy mouth irish boy it is a fun song what about you mr (laughs) captain
0: i think i I just have two that are really big for me um there's i'm shipping up to boston by the dropkick murphys which was written if i recall by woody guthrie and is you know it's about it's about a sailor he's going to boston he's looking for his wooden leg <laughs> and um it is a rousing rousing fun drinking song even um that i feel like gets any bar hopping right and then and then
1: they uh and then that um the departed with uh martin scorsese and oh, leo yeah. dicaprio used it um in their title and that song became Ever so popular, and probably kind of became like that one hit wonder for that band that
0: mm-hmm. did the yeah. hardcore oh, version. It's a great, it's a great song. As is Irish Celebration by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. I'm an Irishman, leathered weathered Irish skin.
1: Beard is the sunset of the flag, him and night sky we the life we fight to live History, with it, spit it with the dialect
0: now this was before they got super big when they were just like a Seattle hip hop duo um and this is I think maybe their best song frankly it's it's so great, and it's again, I mean, it's about being Irish. It's about growing up as Irish-American. It's about drinking, even though, as we all know, Macklemore eventually got sober a couple times. Um, <laughs> but it's really fun. I would definitely say listen to that one, and if that doesn't get you in the St. Patrick's Day mood, Irish Celebration by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, you, you just don't have any Irish in you. you. This one's, I mean, it is super fun. And again, I don't know why it's not, I don't know. I didn't end up being like a big St. Patty's day hit for them. Right. Cause there aren't St. Patrick's day hits. That's why it's there's not like not, Christmas, it, but there could be, there would be so much fun. Like I know there's Irish
1: bands. Like, was it like, is it, is tonic Irish and, but there's not like drinking songs like these. Like it's, just I, yeah. know, it's interesting. I mean,
0: there certainly are some, I used to play this one a lot. At when I was hosting trivia at an Irish bar. And this was just, you know, this was the perfect song to play at any Irish bar, especially on St. Patrick's day. Cause it's going to sell some beers too. <laughs> Bartenders, <laughs> but bar managers, put this one on your playlist for St. Patrick's day. If you're open, if not, it work any day of the year.
1: It'll work any day. Just sell a couple of beers, day beers and that, and you know, in relation, you could have these songs on 316 Day, Stone Cold Steve Austin, have a beer day. So <laughs> true. uh it goes hand in hand. It's wonderful. And that brings an end to our second episode of Music Medics on the Multimedia Men Podcast Network, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Eric. so
0: much i can't handle it all <laughs> yeah we
1: can't handle it all
0: at Do you all. have any special um podcast moments from your billions of other shows that you do do you has there ever been anything else particularly memorable in the last week or so
1: in the last week let's see here oh well yeah, yes
0: timely something timely you want to pimp right now
1: <laughs> yes yeah, something timely so I'll, I'll give you two examples uh One, um, I had an interview with an actress named Beth Grant, and she's been in a ton of movies. She was like the evil sponsor and mother in Donnie Darko to Sparkle Motion. She was the, she was the, she was one of the crazy women in Speed on the bus oh, with yeah. Keanu okay. Reeves.
0: I know who she is.
1: Yeah, and so I, I got to talk with her about her new film with Nick Cage, and we got to bring up uh, Child's Play 2 where she played Miss Cattlewell, the teacher who gets killed by Chucky by a ruler and an air pump gun. And, and she is fantastic,
0: amazing, and lovely. That sounds that- like a great conversation. What? Um, so what? what podcast is that on? Where can people find it? That's on my bloody podcast.
1: Uh, it was super fun. We, we talk about her new film. Um, what's it called? Uh, good God. Willie's Wonderland, which is a movie with Nick Cage where he mm-hmm. goes into like a showbiz pizza and battles demonic uh, animatronics. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> And Sweet. then the the other one I just did is called Too Legitimate, and that's with our former RA from Naismith, Wade Davis. Mm-hmm. And we make we usually have a cocktail portion where we make a cocktail for the episode. And the first two episodes, we made the cocktail at the end of the episode. Well, Wade wanted to make it at the beginning of the episode, and then Wade got super drunk. By the end of the episode, and could barely talk, so it's really sounds funny. like
0: quite a cocktail
1: it It was a rum old fashioned
0: okay so um
1: and it's' basically just rum and sugar
0: heavy on the heavy on the rum
1: yes, <laughs> and it was really funny because he's by the end he's slurring words because he just keeps drinking multiple cups of rum. It was really funny, and I really loved it, but yes, um. Captain, where can they find you on them internets?
0: I mean, you can find me at thelevel.org. It's mainly photography stuff, and you can certainly find me, eric.bram, on Instagram, where that's also mostly photo stuff, but also some comedy and uh, cute pictures of myself. Not really, but. (laughs) he always cute (laughs) you can also find me at some bar in st paul once a week hosting trivia as i've done for years and years and years so yeah just meet me up at grumpy's in roseville on wednesdays (laughs) i'll be there and Um, tomorrow st patty's day are you doing it yeah st patty's day i mean i don't do anything we'll have some beer i'm sure we'll have some beer and uh we'll be we're amped for this very weird march madness tournament where our beloved jayhawks are
1: Ranked number 27.
0: Kind of (laughs) of screwed. (laughs) Hey, we're we're a three seed, but... When's the
1: last time the Jayhawks have been a three seed?
0: Yeah, well, hey, if that's a down year, I guess we should take some solace in that, that a down year for the Jayhawks is a three seed in the NCAA tournament. So anyway, you know, Rock Chalk, we'll catch up soon for another Music Medics podcast. Right, Brian?
1: Yes, we will. Music Medics Episode 3 coming very soon. We love you.
0: Yes, much love.